Thank you for tuning in to Moment by Moment, an Oak Hills Church podcast talking through what is relevant in today's world with a biblical view. Hello and welcome to Moment by Moment. We are in season two and this is episode number three. We are so thankful. We're so excited for everybody that's been joining us on this journey. Seriously, your shares and your comments mean a lot to us. And so thank you guys for that. My name is J.D. Mason. I'm the creative minister here at Oak Hills Church and I'm joined by Travis Ease, our lead minister. Travis, how you doing? I'm doing well. J.D., is this right? Today we're talking about hookup culture we're is talking that right? about hookup is it, am i looking culture. at this right this is right okay who comes up with all this man our team comes up with it man our creative team we uh we kind of like table it we talk about what do people want to hear what do they want to talk about you know and so well, we're excited to talk about this one yeah I'm, I, I'm excited to talk about it too i think it's great that we're we're addressing a lot of these things and yeah i'm just i'm looking forward to just having you like fire these questions at me let's hey, go we're gonna Come get on. it and and you know one note in I our second you. season i know you <laughs> i've been trying yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into it today we're gonna be discussing i'm gonna just give you an overview uh of today's episode we're gonna be discussing divorce we're gonna be discussing hookup culture as as what happens with like, why do, why is that a normal thing? Why do we have a phrase called hookup culture, mm. right? Um, and we're going to discuss, um, you know, how does the church respond to divorce? How does the church respond to racism? How does the church respond to different things? Yeah. And so, I mean, we're going to get into it today. And so, you know, we've been going for longer episodes. So let me just say thanks for everybody who's joining us. We're trying to do some, you know, some deeper dives. All right. So, Travis, you ready? You buckled up? I am buckled up. I all have. Right. I feel like I have no idea where you're going to take this. All right. But, so, uh, listen, let's go. We're, we're just going to go ahead and launch off with hookup culture, right? Biblically. We know it's been happening from from past, you know, from years and years ago, from biblical times, even now. People have had different phrases for it through through the centuries, you know, through the time. And so now we see it as more of a norm than mm-hmm. our previous than, than our parents, than your parents, than the previous generation before. Now it's more normal. But it's not new, is it? It's in the Bible. And so, you know, give us a few scriptures when you think about how hookup culture has, has been in the Bible. And it's not new. It's nothing new. We know there's nothing new underneath the sun. So give us some scriptures that kind of lay a baseline for where we're going to start our conversation today. Yeah, well, I think we experience it in a little bit of a, a different way. If you were to look back at the way we experienced this culture, even going back to the 1920s, if you're looking at the 50s, and then you've got the sexual revolution. And so it has evolved. But you're right. It's, it's always been there. And the reason the Bible addresses it is because it took place when the Bible was being written. So right. these people, these are people who are just writing about what's taken place during that time, uh, during the first century in the New Testament, uh, there's a Greek word, uh, porneia. Okay. Okay. It sounds familiar. It sounds like something we get, our English word, whether it's pornography or, or pornographic. or uh, And that word is, uh, it's translated as a sexual immorality. Mm. Okay. So when you're, when you're reading the Bible, uh, especially in the New Testament, you see this Greek word is translated into to sexual immorality, sometimes immorality, sometimes fornication. But yeah, to your point, it, it is there. So, I mean, for example, you look at 1 Corinthians 6.13, the, the body is not meant mm. for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Right. Okay, Or you're looking at Ephesians 5.3, uh, but among you there must not be even a hint of, of porneia, of sexual mm. immorality, of any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So what, what you're starting to see is, well, what is this sexual immorality? Right. Like, I mean, if we're talking about hookup culture, we're talking about this this culture that says uh, it basically says sex really doesn't mean that much or it means whatever you want it to mean. If you don't want it to mean anything, then it doesn't mean anything. But if you want it to right, like like the hookup culture is like 
it doesn't it can be romantic but it doesn't have to be yeah romantic it doesn't even have to have any commitment well that's the antithesis of what god designed within sex yeah. and so what the new testament is speaking to when it talks about sexual immorality it's basically saying this is outside of his design mm-hmm. this is outside of his intent god created sex it was his idea it's his good design so anything outside of that is pornea is sexual immorality and so that's the thing that it's it's really addressing all throughout scripture Uh, another one first thessalonians 4 and 3 it is god's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality okay so and and then here's here's one this is first corinthians 6 18 uh flee Mm-hmm. I just run, Gotta right? Run. Like this is a big deal. Yeah. It really is a big deal. And and we're in a culture that's saying, eh, it's, it's not a big deal, yeah. but it is a big deal. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Mm. So we, and we've talked about this before in, in other podcasts. It's yeah. not like we're, we're not saying that the Bible is creating different categories of sinners and different categories of sin, but there is something very significant here that all throughout the New Testament it needs to be addressed. Right. And, and it's because God's good design is so good for us and, and pleasing to Him to see us experience it within His design. So when we start to go outside of that and we start to say things about it that aren't true mm. that that hurts his heart and that's against uh his his design and so the bible is really just kind of guiding us to what's good for us yeah is really what it is <clears throat> and you know it's interesting because you feel like you're fighting norms and cultural norms yeah you know we live in a pluralistic pluralistic society where everything is relative whatever feels good you do it we watch it in movies you see it in music we see it in tv shows it's so normal yeah and it's almost like you have to fight what feels normal now because it's so it's so common to see hookup culture in and and then you you know you transfer it to your daily relationships you start to feel like this is the way you would normally interact with this friend or with this person and so it's even harder to fight that you know biblically and not feel like you're living in a historical document you know what i'm saying it's like well the bible talks about this but i mean this isn't really relevant today the reality is listen there's nothing new like you said the Bible is, is a manuscript for us. It's it's a manual. You know what I'm saying? And so the instructions are telling us, hey, listen, don't be surprised when these things happen. Don't be surprised when you see it in society around you. You know, and I come, you know, I talk to some people and they're like, man, this is something new that we never had to battle with. And I'm going to say, well, you always had to battle with it, just maybe in a different way. Yes, we understand that this generation is definitely different than the previous generation, the previous generation before that. Yeah. And everybody's always looking at the new generation like, yo, you guys are going crazy. Mm-hmm. Reality is, in biblical times, they were also going crazy. We've seen examples of that multiple times in the Bible. And so that's why I love laying that foundation. Biblically, Bible addresses this. This is nothing new. It's not like we can't find the answers in the Bible. But this is where we're going to go deep. How does the church respond to somebody who walks in the church, mm-hmm. who understands or maybe don't understand that the hookup culture or the, the lifestyle that they're living is not wrong? Or maybe they do have an inclination that, you know what, the way I'm living isn't right. How should the church love on them? How should they welcome them in? Well, when we talk about how should the church do something or how should the church respond, I mean, the church is a, 
a, a collection of Jesus followers, which right. basically means we are following his example. Mm-hmm. Our whole goal and purpose is to to look to him and to be more like him every day. I, I think in one of those scriptures I just read, I use this big word sanctified. Yeah. You know, all that means is that every day we're trying to be more like him. Mm-hmm. And so as the church, we should look to Jesus to get our example of how we should address things or how we should respond to people. Jesus always started with where people were. So I think that's something that we we have to do a better job of, uh, is starting with where people are and then being able to walk with them, you know, from that point, you know. Uh, did you mention a specific example of like somebody? So really, it's, it's if, imagine somebody's walking in, right? Yeah. And they're in a lifestyle, they're in a relationship where they're sleeping with their significant right, other, right. they're not married. How does the church respond to that person? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we see in Jesus is this combination of uh, truth mm-hmm. and love. So this is a this is a great conversation because a lot of people want to go one way or the other. Yeah, they want to go truth without love, yep. which is just hateful, harsh, legalistic. Yeah, exactly. No grace, uh, and it, and it just doesn't resonate. Uh, but it it shouldn't. Even scripture tells us there should be this combo of truth and love. And then of course there's the just love without truth, mm-hmm. you know, and I've talked to people who really kind of paint Jesus with that, that broad brushstroke of he was, he was all about love. Well, yes, that's true, but he was, he was about truth. He was truth. Yeah. He, he is truth. And you see that in a lot of different examples. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, John chapter 4. He comes into uh, contact with a a Samaritan woman at the well. Um, And they have a conversation, and uh, he delivers. I mean, it's just a very loving act that he's even there present with her. So you're asking, how should we, uh, uh, you know, respond to people? Well, we should be present, right? Like, again, we're not interested in categories of sin or categories of sinners, Jesus doesn't do that either. Um, John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way Jesus responds to Peter in John chapter 21. I don't know. I guess I'm stuck on John right now. But I mean, (laughs) especially right there in that gospel, you just see, I mean, Jesus has this close friend, this apostle who denies him three times. Well, how does he respond to him? He responds to him with, with, with forgiveness and embracing him and being present with him. So I think that's a that's a big part of that. Uh, you know, it's not that uh, beginning in this place of, of judgment, and uh, but it's also you know we're we're not afraid of the truth because again the truth is actually what's good for us. The right. truth is actually what sets us free. So we 100%. want freedom not only for ourselves but for everyone else we come in contact with. Right. And so this is has to be the follow up. And this is what you know. If I'm listening to this, I'm be like, okay, let's get to it. Can they serve? At what capacity do you, do you limit their capacity to serve in the church based off the lifestyle they're living? Yeah, no, great question. And um, we we want people to be able to serve as much as possible. I would say you're looking at maybe some leadership positions where you are uh, needing to model that truth that we're talking about, right. that you may not be ready for that. Right. But to say that you're not ready to serve in any way, again, mm-hmm. the church is a, a collection of Jesus' followers that are on the journey to become more like him, but we're not in the same place. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you would have to say, well, it, you have to get to this point to be able to serve. Now, in places of leadership where you're the one teaching or you're the one guiding others in how to live, 
None of us are perfect. None of us are living a perfect life. That's why we need Jesus. But there are certain standards that you would you would need to yeah. be able to uh, truth that you would need to be able to. I'll say it this way: truth you need to be able to embrace, not just intellectually, right. but you need to see that fruit in your life before mm-hmm. you're able. I tell people all the time, you're just not going to be able to take anybody to a place that you've never been yourself. That's a fact. And so that does impact serving. But goodness, there are places for, for people to serve that are just beginning the, the journey of following Jesus. Yeah. I mean, and that's good because if you consider, if they can't come here, where can they go? Where, right. Where do they go if they're not welcome? Well, just look at the people that Jesus invited to come follow him. I mean, people were following Jesus that didn't even yet believe in who he was. They didn't even know who he was really, but they were... They were still on the journey with him. They were still following. I mean, he's picking up guys like tax collectors. 100%. I mean, these guys were hated, you know, they were in cheating their culture. Wrong people. They yeah. were the worst type of people. Absolutely. And if you are following all the rules, they're like, yo, we would never hang out with them. And so we got to be careful that we're not those people that say, oh, well, we'd never associate with them. And here's the thing. A lot of, you know, and this is just, this is just for free if you're listening. A lot of times we find out things about other people. And so we have knowledge without ever actually getting to know the person or fact checking. So if let's say somebody is in a relationship that, you know, we don't deem as appropriate to our standards, right? And we've never even had a conversation with them. We just had hearsay, you know, and that, that sometimes does happen in the church, you know, sometimes there's some gossip going on. I mean, uh, and I say that sarcastically because we know that we're all human. We're all fallible to gossip. We're all fallible to things that, you know, other people are also, you know, can fall prey to. And so we have to remember that we have to view people in the lens we, we want God to view us through. We want the same grace. We cannot act out in judgment over other people if we don't want that same judgment from God. You know, so it's, it's almost a challenge also to Christians to view people the way that you would want to be viewed. One time you were a sinner. Everybody was a sinner at one point. You know, and so it's almost odd that I think we, you know, we have to have these conversations around these things because the, it's almost like love on them, shepherd them, walk with them, get to know them, get dinner with them, talk to their significant other, um, understand what past trauma they've had, understand their home situation, what made, what, you know, what events occurred in their life to, for them to be where they are now. I mean, there's so, there's so many different avenues to take it versus just we don't want you here because you're not living a lifestyle that, you know, we feel is up to par with sitting in our sanctuary. Right. And that's outside of relationship. We don't see Jesus do that. I mean, everything you just said, it's about building a relationship with someone so that, that you can speak truth in love. But you can't love someone that, that you don't know or don't even care about getting to know. Yeah. And so then it becomes what? I mean, policy, wrong, right. I mean, yeah. that... So, so within that context of relationship, then you're able to, to speak truth and, and speak life, yeah. right? Like, here's what God has for you, and let's talk about that. Yeah, you don't want to make people feel less than because of your liturgy that you've held on to, you know, and leads us into divorce. And so people mm-hmm. always ask, well, can a divorced person serve? Can a divorced person um, be present in the church? And so kind of like what well, I feel like we've already kind of opened it up mm. and discussed where the church should respond practically, you know, what would you tell somebody who's saying, can I serve in a specific ministry with leadership? Well, everybody's, you know, situation is different, but in, I would want to have that conversation in the context of relationship. Tell me about 
your yeah. life. Tell me about and it. And it's not like, you know, I'm sitting over here, you know, trying to check boxes to see right. if you are worthy. You know, it's not yeah. that kind of thing, but it's like, hey, let's just see where you're at. And there's almost a self-discovery I've found that that people have just in the conversation, you know, to say, yeah, I think I'm, I'm ready for this, uh, this role or this leadership or or whatever it may be. Or someone says, you know, I just, I'm just need some time to, to heal from this. You mentioned divorce. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just needing to kind of figure out like, you know, uh, who I am again and, and what God's purpose for my life is. And out of that, a lot of times you can kind of figure out what someone's next step is, because I don't know what your next step is. That's that's not my role. We're going to discern this together through the what I believe is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So that's what we're trying to discover and to dis- help somebody be able to discern, regardless whether it's a divorce or whatever amount of uh, a trauma might have happened in someone's life. <laughs> you know, if you're not dead, yeah. you're not. God's not done with you, and He exactly. has a will and a purpose for your life. Let's go find it. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yep. And so it's 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 loving on them, letting them know there's a place for you here. <laughs> Number one, there's a place for you here, no matter what you think you know because mm-hmm. of what other people have told you. Yeah. Um, God has a plan for you. If you're alive, you're not you're not done yet. I love that. That's that's a quotable. Let's yeah. Put that on uh, TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're not, done. but seriously, I mean, because a if lot you of have times a pulse. people, yeah, <laughs> people truly feel like they're they're B class citizens if they're divorced, mm. or if they've, you know, we've talked about abortion in the past. We've talked about different things that are traumatic experiences, different things that are life choices that you've made in a, in a moment's decision that completely altered your life. You are not walking with the Lord at the point, but it's almost like you have to always live with that guilt. And there's freedom in Christ and the church should be welcoming people in that freedom versus almost putting their guilt always in front of them. Yeah. And, you know, talking about, you know, how should the church, I mean, love on people. I'm trying to get in the weeds a little bit. How should the church love on people with kids who are not married as they come into the church? You know, um, I think a lot of times we as church people will make assumptions on people like, oh, if you're single, you automatically don't have kids. Right. And so when somebody has kids, you're like shocked and you're like, whoa, what? You have yeah. kids? And then it's like, do they, are you loving on them? Or, you know, and, and it's also, um, you know, I, you think about, I ask people sometimes, how many unsafe friends do you, how, how many times are you encountering people who don't believe the same thing as you? Mm. You know, because if you're not understanding how culture uh, is, 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 honestly, it just is, if you're not understanding because you're so isolated and you're so boxed in and you only hang out with people that are safe, sanctified, just like you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have, you, you will have the same political beliefs. We're going to get into politics later. You have the same thoughts on everything. You're right. never challenged. So that when somebody comes from outside, they feel like they don't belong because you're kind of putting that, like you said earlier, you're putting up the, the list that they have, to, the checkbox that they have to check. Yeah. And so it's, it's not even as easy as saying you got to love on them. It's no, you, you have to be where they are. Jesus went to the tax collectors. The tax collectors weren't, they didn't all get up from where they were and sat around Jesus and was like, Hey, let's eat. Can we eat with you? Can we sit at your table? Mm-hmm. Jesus went to their table. That's right. He went to where they were and loved on them no matter what their past was. You know, he didn't say, Hey guys, how many people sinned uh, earlier this morning? Okay. I'm out. Uh, yeah. It's only if you did it in the last hour. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, that's what he was accused of, right? Like he's a friend of sinners. Exactly. But Jesus was not spending time with them to somehow uh, condone the the sin. He was there to bring truth, but he was there. He was there. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, we think, well, we'll, we'll just bring truth and 
you know, but we're not present with people. Mm-hmm. So to your point, we don't understand their situation. So, you know, we, we make a lot of uh, assumptions and uh, we have a lot of preconceived notions about things yeah. if we aren't spending time with people who we're hoping to be able to reach. The more that you know Jesus, the more you love. It's simple as that. You're going to love on people no matter what their circumstance they yeah. bring you. You can be like, you know what? <laughs> Come on in. Can I babysit? Yeah. How can we love on you? You must be having a, a difficult time being a single parent in this stage of life. How can me and, you know, and our, our group, our church, our family, like you mentioned earlier, the church is the ecclesia. It is the gathering of mm-hmm. people. Got that from a book you gave me. Um, <laughs> it's not the building infrastructure. It's not the brick and mortar. It's, it's not the seat that you sit in every single Sunday. Yeah. It's not the pulpit you stand in. It's we are the church as people, as gatherers. So wherever you are, if you're at the mall, if you're at your job, you know, it's, it's showing that love of Christ no matter where you are. So that way, when you encounter people from different life circumstances as you, it's never a, oh, judgment, you know, a, a time of judgment, like, oh man, I can't believe you did that. It should never be that. It should be, hey, let me... Let me walk with you. Let's let's pray right now. No matter where you are in life, no matter what you've done, let, you can never go too far from the love of Christ. Yeah. And and I think one of the things we have to be careful about is if are we forgetting, you know, you mentioned we were all sinners at one point and the scripture tells us we were all dead in sin at some point. Have we forgotten that? Do we have we forgotten what it was to be dead in our sin and now have life in Christ? Because if you if you forget that, then you are going to approach people in more of a self-righteous and a, and a prideful way. But the beauty of what you know, discipleship is that you have these people walking together who have been through some of the same things. And so now we're not saying, oh, I can't believe you did that. You're going, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, I did that. But th- this is who I was. This is, this is where I was. But now this is the difference that Jesus has made in my life. That's, I think, when you talk about Christians in culture, you know, Christians who have come out of a particular culture, but now it, it, it's not like they have just totally uh, had amnesia and don't even remember what that was right. like. No, you can empathize with people, but you also know the truth that has set you free exactly. and, and the good news that you can share with somebody. Right. That's your testimony right there. That's it. That's how God brought you from death to life. Mm-hmm. He brought you out of the culture so that you're not in the culture anymore. You're not of the culture anymore. You know, you, right. we, we are called to the world, to reach the world. So it's not, hey, let's hide in the building. It's, okay, we've been changed. Let's go change uh, wherever they are. Let's go and, and change their lives with the hope of Christ. And that really walks us into the divisiveness of how politics can enter into the church. Mm-hmm. All right? And, you know, culture, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention politics when we think about culture because it, it, it sets the tone for a lot of divisiveness. Um, yeah. And so where, where do you draw the line? I, I mean, as a lead pastor, as, as a Christian, as a church goer, I mean, where do you draw the line? It can, you know, you mention a political party, you mention a candidate, you mention right. a policy, you mention one thing and all of a sudden people are, you know, they have a jaded eye towards you. Like, how do you navigate those waters? Well, it is the lens that I think a lot of us see the world through, but it's because of the, the vocal, um, you know, sometimes vocal minorities, but they're, but it's very loud. And so, for example, and I think we've talked about this before too, but you know, a lot of like our news, you know, I mean, we know what kind of news sells, right? Like we know what's going to get the headlines and you know, it's uh, more of a, probably a negative, you know, take on something that we know is going to cause somebody to, to read something more than a positive take. So you take all that into consideration. And if we're not careful, we can start to see the world through a political lens 
as opposed to a biblical lens. Right. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you got to keep that in check. So I, I don't believe that we were called to um, the, the political activism. Like that's the, the place where we start. Now, mm. can Christians be involved in politics? I sure hope so. Yeah. I sure hope so. Because somebody in the ring. <laughs> because again, we're operating on the belief that we have been designed by God and he has this good will and design for yep. us, right? Like he, he knows us better than we know ourselves. So right. operating on that, we want those values and those principles to be informing how we're involved politically. So I totally get that. I think the problem comes when we flip those. Okay. And, and instead of bringing uh, the, the scripture, the authority of scripture to bear on our political views, uh, we start to take our political views and then we start to overlay those over right. scripture. And that's when, uh, well, that's when our allegiance is more to a political party than it is to right. scripture itself. And that's something that we've got to be really careful about. Yeah. So when you have... Let's, you know, you have a big election coming up. Mm -hmm. Do you mention where the church should vote from the pulpit arena? You as a lead pastor, as a lead minister, when you're thinking about um, different churches across the country, a lot of people have taken sides on this issue. Yeah. Where where do you stand with, with that? Well, again, this is where I stand. I mean, I... I'm going to answer a lot of these questions with what I've done. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, we could talk theory all day long, yeah. but practically, it, and yeah. and and you know, it it is hard. It is hard. Election years are hard. Like I, um, yeah, election years are, are hard. it's hard to be a pastor during <laughs> election. Year. I'm just going to tell you. I bet. Um, I, I've learned this. I've learned this, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this too. I have seen churches. That you think you know we're we're kind of humming together, and you start to see just division start to to take place, mm -hmm. and it's like, um, why is this happening? And it's like you start to see that the the election years and things like that. It really starts to spike, really starts to kind of ramp up and uh, and and surface. But it's it's hard, it's difficult. Now the the choice that I have made personally. Uh, is to not be involved in politics to the point. So, for example, here uh, we encourage people to vote and to be active and to be involved. Okay. We do not tell them how to vote or who to vote for or who to vote for. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we've we've been very careful uh, for years and years. Uh, but that's just that's us. That's the stance that we have decided uh, to take. And so we don't, especially now we may have, uh, somebody, uh, here who's uh, a Senator or something like that, but in it, and we might even recognize them if it's not during, if they're not up for reelection. Right. So that's just another practical to answer your question. That's something we've decided not to do. If somebody's, you know, up for reelection, we're not going to, uh, platform, right. uh, one candidate over another. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, that doesn't mean that we don't encourage, you know, our people to, to be involved in however they, however God leads them right. to, to be involved. Now, one of the things that I'll, I'll just say this real quick, too, in terms of, you know, political viewpoints, we, we try to encourage that there's not going to be any one 
political party that totally lines <laughs> up with scripture. And this yeah. is where it starts to get sticky because, yeah. you know, people believe, well, my political party, which is already starting to tip the hand to mm-hmm. allegiance there, but uh, is is the one that is aligned. You Mine know? is correct and all yours are wrong. Yeah, I would I would say if you if you think that I mean if you've never disagreed with the party that you align with, that's a red flag. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking either side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because again, those political parties aren't formed around the values that we have in scripture. Can you find those values in both parties? Absolutely. But at the same time, that's not what they're there to do and to represent. So we have to be discerning as Christians in how we approach all these issues. And again, knowing that they're complex, you know, um, if, if these issues are just really simple, black and white, you know, um, you know, a lot of them aren't, a lot of them are, are a lot more complex. Mm, That's good. I mean, and the reality is there's, it's, it's no, like, you know, like you, like you were saying, there's no right answer. It's not like you can say my party's right. And this is exactly God's candidate. Like mm-hmm. it, it's because their values are not always going to equal up to everything the Bible says. I've, yeah, I've heard it said like this. This was helpful to me talking about uh, package politics, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, you you start to see that it's like, well, my party is big on on this, and and this issue is important to me, and therefore I'm gonna you know give um, rubber stamp everything that that party right. believes. Well you know, that's probably not always going to be consistent with your biblical values. So are you bringing those to bear on, on your beliefs? And let's just be honest about those and let's be willing to, you know, to, to side where we are based on biblical values, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you have to challenge yourself. It's kind of like I was saying earlier, you you should have people in your corner. We're really good at challenging other yeah. people. <laughs> We're not so good at challenging ourselves. That's because it's difficult. It's uncomfortable. Why would I put myself in a place of being uncomfortable and challenging what I believe for probably a long amount of time of my life, if not my entire life, because my parents believe this, so I believe it. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is what I believe is right because I've never even questioned it. Yep. This is correct and this is what's going to benefit us and the other side are wrong. Yep. Not only are they wrong, they're immoral, they're not godly. You know, and then you start to add on the things. And like you were saying, if you believe everything that your party is for <laughs> is, is, is of God and is biblical, then... <laughs> You should probably question yourself yeah. at a certain point because we all are, you know, we all make mistakes. We're all human um, and not everything can be of God if, you know, it's, it's it's difficult. But I mean, that is the that's the curse of sin. It's the world we live in. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we could go so many directions with the culture that we live in. There's so many different nuances to it. But I think we tackled some of the big ones. And so, um Great job being in the hot seat. You did you did pretty good. Did we that do okay? Good. We did all right. There's so many things There's we could so talk many about. Things. And we're going to open up some more as the episodes go on. Um, but, you know, we didn't get to touch on racism. We're going to save that for another episode okay. coming up in the near future. Um, you know, and, and how the church responds. Do they respond at all? What are things that are, are going on in our world right now? Um, yeah. And so this has been our, you know, this is a great season two uh third episode. I'm, I'm excited for this one, Travis. Um, but yeah, so we thank you all for joining with me and Travis uh, and, and yep. you know, just listening in on a conversation of two imperfect people, just, tr- you know, trying to share some um, some wisdom that uh, that is biblical, that we think is culturally relevant. We know we are not the arbiters of, of all truth in the world. We 
<laughs> we are not geniuses. We know that we're both humans as well. But yeah. man, we're just thankful that you guys have been listening and joining with us on this journey of moment by moment. We hope to see you guys for our next episode. Please like and review Moment by Moment wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love for you to share this episode with your friends and family and be sure to join us next week as new episodes release every Monday.